Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you all to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. On this episode, we are going to be looking at Process Control Reimagined. This was written by Yokogawa and is also featured in the June issue of Hydrocarbon Processing Magazine. Now, before we get started, I would like to remind everyone that we are still accepting registrations for Hydrocarbon Processing's IRPC Operations Global Technical Virtual Event. It will be in late September. To attend, it is free, but you do have to register. So definitely, please look into that. We have a great lineup of speakers for the event. To sign up, simply go to hydrocarbonprocessing.com. Go under the Events tab to IRPC Operations. That'll take you right to the site to register. So we look forward to seeing all of you there. Now, process control reimagined. Imagine visiting the control room of a typical process unit at a refinery. Everything is running well under the watchful eyes of experienced operators. Looking at the unit's final output flow, you ask a simple question. Why are you operating at this production rate? Now, a variety of answers can exist with perhaps as many thoughts as the number of individuals working the unit. Possibilities could include something about maximizing output, product quality, or overall efficiency. However, a better answer and one that is likely to become more common is, this is exactly where we need to be to fulfill corporate goals, including profitability while matching demand for our output. This more complete answer has two parts that will need to be detailed individually. First, fulfillment of corporate goals can include many factors. Profitability is always one of them, but it is part of a complex picture. There can be additional aspects relating to efficiency, emissions, feedstock utilization, carbon footprint, and other considerations. Whatever the case, the company will have specific goals and expect operators to be aware of those directives. If markets are favorable and the company is sold out due to high customer demand for a particular product, the direction may simply call for maximizing production. Second, matching output to demand may also be a complex picture if the product is an intermediate plan for the use in another process unit. If the output of unit A becomes a feedstock for unit B and is sent there directly, the volumes need to match. Both units are under corporate direction and they must work together to achieve mutual goals without creating a surplus or starving the second unit. Things get even more complicated when multiple units are involved. More on this point later. All these possible scenarios exist in the real world of process manufacturing, which means companies and operators must deal with the variability of raw materials and feedstocks, tighter and more complex regulations, and changing markets. Maintaining a stable and profitable operation is a major challenge for these and other reasons. Despite these challenges, there are also new software tools and control techniques to help address these and other issues by optimizing production based on any one of the several desired outcomes. Now, how do these tools and techniques work and why are they better than traditional regulatory control? First, corporate and plant managers must determine their most critical objectives. The obvious answer is usually maximum output, but this is not necessarily always at the top of the list. Other factors may be more important, such as specified output below maximum. If another element is critical, such as carbon footprint, product purity, or overall efficiency, the ultimate variable might not be measured in real time by any single type of instrument. This presents a particularly complex situation, which is illustrated in four phases. Those phases include one, normal operation, phase two, visualization, phase three, quality control, 
and phase four, optimum operation. Now, these phases need additional explanation. So if there's no instrument measuring the critical variable in real time, unit operators must make their best guess and then adjust set points based on analysis after the fact. If the attribute is a product characteristic, it may depend on data from lab analysis. If it is something like plant efficiency, it may be necessary to wait for operational reports to be generated. In any case, achieving the goal is often hit or miss. This can be tolerable if the results are generated quickly, but there is always a time lag. Improvements can be provided by creating a software sensor with sophisticated analysis of the process from historical data, which is phase two. It is possible to build a picture of what the process looks like when it is operating. This provides ranges for the variables that are possible to measure through conventional instrumentation. By applying the soft sensors, all those critical variables can be monitored as a continuous value like temperature, flow rate, and pressure, helping to determine if the process is running as it should. This provides a better handle on what the process is doing, but frequently leaves it running with too wide a deviation from the target. Next level of sophistication is applying multivariable model predictive control, or MMPC. With this approach, which is phase three on quality control, the controller has a model capable of expressing dynamic characteristics of the process. Control is now based on prediction by the model, which can make operation far more stable than is possible with regulatory control built on multiple proportional, integral, and derivative loops. Variability common to the previous control approach can be tightened up, keeping the critical attribute within a much narrower range. The result is operation closer to the desired goal, regardless of the nature. It is now possible to determine exactly where to place the operating level, whether it is closer to an upper level limit, which is phase four, or somewhere else dictated by big picture corporate objectives. Now the kind of analysis used to build a software sensor can be extended to support a digital twin, which provides a simulation design to respond to changes in the same way as the actual plant. If a set point is changed, the digital twin responds in a similar manner to the actual process plant. This allows operators to test set point changes and other process adjustments to determine if they will have the desired effect. This capability is especially valuable since parameters change, which can make achieving optimal operation a moving target. For example, the crude oil coming into a crude distillation unit could easily be from a different source than the crude running yesterday. Will the crude allow the same draw rates of desired products today as yesterday? Rather than experimenting with the actual distillation tower, operators can program the digital twin with the new crude attributes and let the simulation do its analysis. Likely, the analysis will call for set point and constraint adjustments to achieve the desired product distribution. These adjustments can be implemented automatically or they can be provided as advice to operators. So the parts just described can be combined so they build on each other. So it soon becomes possible to implement a largely self-functioning process control mechanism able to move into a new level of total plant productivity with real-time optimization. This type of mechanism uses an advanced process control technique, such as MMPC, to help analyze all the trade-offs that occur when making individual unit optimizations. Simulation can be used to find optimum operating points for multiple process units by using current process data. Greater detail is needed on how these elements interact. So at the top are your operators. 
But this level goes beyond the control room as it involves corporate management and company-wide production schedules as much as the individuals invest in hard hats. People in the control room now understand how their efforts fit into the bigger picture and exactly what is expected of the specific unit and overall facility. Their tasks are simplified because the control systems can automatically implement all the constant tweaking and loop adjustments connected with traditional regulatory control. At the bottom of the diagram is the process itself, still controlled by the Distributed Control System, or DCS. This remains as it always has because it is still the mechanism that collects data from instrumentation and sends instructions to actuators. With traditional systems, the DCS would be controlled by the operators directly, but now the APC system monitors the DCS and supplements the efforts of operators. Set points in the DCS can now be tweaked as needed automatically to maintain target values. Now the APC system is under control of the real-time optimization system, which is programmed with economic targets. In a perfect world where nothing changes, this would be enough, but of course nothing is perfect. As mentioned earlier, feedstocks change, and with something as complex as crude oil, the variability can be subtle or drastic. This is where the digital twin comes into play. It functions as a steady state simulator representing the actual process. The simulator has a library of information on specialized feedstock characteristics, so it can determine exactly how the optimizer must adjust the process to accommodate changes in feedstock characteristics. This avoids any trial and error hunting for set points. The process remains stable and within desired operational parameters, even with these types of changes, as well as others. Changes are not only connected with feedstocks. Fuels and chemical additives can affect the process as well. For example, fire heaters may change to a different grade of fuel oil to take advantage of price breaks, resulting in a change of BTU content. This could affect both the fuel consumption rate and emissions. For this kind of system to operate reliably, there must be a constant flow of data and information in all directions. In some areas, such as between the process and the DCS, Updates happen every second or even faster. For APC, it may be once per minute. For real-time optimization, it may be once per couple of hours. The key is to ensure information exchange is suitable to support this environment of more advanced decision-making, where the process effectively runs itself automatically. The need for constant human monitoring and tweaking is eliminated, leaving operators to handle higher value-added responsibilities. Sometimes, the optimizer really needs to control multiple units when they're working in concert. So for example, when producing intermediates that get sent from one unit to another. The ultimate final product has its practical limits for production or under market constraints, so it must be the starting point. From there, it is necessary to move up the stream back to where the other units are creating their output. Optimization for one unit now reflects the amount needed for the next, but it is still important to maximize profitability at each unit. The same concepts apply as with the single unit, but the local real-time optimization gets its orders from higher up the chain of command based on demand. So real-time optimization strategies are designed to work in cooperation with digital twin technology. These advances are now possible thanks to expanding digital capabilities and are capable of increasing profits by improving all operational elements of a unit, plant, and a company. This is achieved through visualization and simulations in ways that are, are now only possible. Therefore, 
Companies can achieve seamless, optimized production through the combination of simulation technology and control technology, reflecting the plant model in the production plan. By repeating this cycle across all units and locations, total plant productivity can be increased throughout all plant life cycles. We want to thank you for listening to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column.